to another fantastic night of 30 Days of Hope. I am so excited that you joined us. And if you're just piling on for the first time, this is May. I cannot believe that it's actually May right now. But thank you so much for joining us for inspiring, encouraging, and empowering videos for April. But the cool part is you are one of the first people to see the first videos in May. So we're actually extending this exciting video series through May, through June, through the whole entire process of the coronavirus so that we can actually be with you, to stand beside you, and be instruments of hope as we process this together. So today I'm with a wonderful friend of mine, Dr. Jason Wellman. Welcome so much to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. No, this is great. And, and you've been on our other podcast, Loud Conversations, so probably about a yeah. year, so it's great to catch up again. Yeah, it's good to see you. I, I was trying to think about that. I guess you're right. It was right about this time last year that we that we did a little chat, so it's yeah. good to be back. Yeah, and, especially right now. It's hard to figure out. It's like, all right, what day is it? What time it is? You know, what what's the date? <laughs> so it's, yeah. I think everybody is just all, all over the place. We have a running calendar in our house of how many days have we been in quarantine. <laughs> And it helps us just kind of think, okay, where are we at in the month? Where are we at in the week? So yeah, yeah. You, you cross it off, feel like there's you know, some sense of control. Now, you, you yeah. have a couple of different positions. You're the lead pastor of Scioto United Methodist Church. Yeah. And you're also a part of the faculty, and you're also a project faculty of spiritual formation. So yeah. tell us about first, what is it like to really pastor through this transition? Yeah, this, I think this has been such a unique uh, moment in, in church life because literally overnight churches had to um, adjust and figure things out. And, and churches tend to be, you know, behind uh, on technology, behind yeah. on, on movements and things like that, good or bad. We tend to be a few steps behind everybody. Um, and so we, we literally overnight had to figure out how do we do ministry in self-isolation and so you know i'm in i'm in ohio and so we were seeing some some signs that things were going to shut down our governor's been very progressive in shutting things down and been very good at communicating things um and and literally the day that he made the announcement that we were that businesses were shutting down um that day i sent out um a staff member to go purchase some additional technology that we needed and then a few days later we were we were able to do live stream worship on Sunday and so we had to quickly adjust within a few days to figure out how do we do ministry how do I as the lead pastor make sure my staff are taken care of that their families are safe they're safe how do we move our whole operation yeah. in a digital format and so it's been it's been a lot of um, learning on the fly a lot of um, of bumpy roads, you know, figuring out, oh, that didn't work. Let's, yeah. let's try, try it again. Um, but I think what's been a blessing in the midst of this is I have seen, at least for my team and just kind of witnessing um, churches all over, all over the country and all over the world, I have seen a tremendous spirit of creativity that has just mm -hmm. blossomed. And, and my hope when we come on the other side of this, when things kind of settle down, is that creative momentum will still still uh, be present, and so I've been uh, I've just kind of been able to take a step back too in some ways and watch my team really just blossom and ask really uh, great questions and and uh, so it's it there's been the sadness of not meeting, but then there's also been uh, the joy of watching uh, my church and other churches kind of blossom during this season. 
Wow. And it has to be exciting where it's almost like, you know, you pastor a church and you lead it and you get it to a certain point. But then, you know, when you come to a crisis, it's almost like that fight or flight mentality. And to see those that are rising up in leadership through this, that has to be such a blessing for you. Yeah, it is. And, it, and, and you know, it made me proud of my team because we had been talking about a lot of changed systems and reading resources and 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 uh, to now see that come to fruition and, and to see some of the things we talked about a year ago, two years yeah. ago, they're now asking those questions because they've been forced to ask those questions. Mm. Um, it made me go, well, at least my team's listening, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> they hear me. Yeah, they hear me, which is good. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's been, it's been a neat, it's been a neat lesson in leadership. Um, and, and I've been really proud of, of my team. Yeah. What, what are some tips that you would give business leaders, pastors, or, or even startups where it's almost like they might have a small team. They might even have a team of 120. What are some ways that people, especially within a CEO position or lead position can truly help team management right now and really help develop their team, even if, even if it is just via Zoom? Yeah. I would say the, one of the things that, that I've tried to be intentional with my team is, um, to check in with them and give mm -hmm. them space to verbally process what they're going through. Because I think if, if, if I as the, the main leader just come in with a business agenda, here's what we have to get done without ever doing some of that deeper spiritual and emotional work, they're just gonna shut down. And, 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 and part of that is just recognizing my own experience. You know, I have four kids and, and we're having to adjust our family schedules. We've missed birthdays. We've missed large celebrations. We're dealing with the emotional trauma of an experience like this, trying to homeschool our kids now. Um, so if I'm going through that and recognizing the stress of that, then I ought to make space for my team to be able to process that. So when we have a weekly staff meeting, the very first thing we do is I, in a Zoom setting like this, so it's kind of Brady Bunch, I see everybody. <laughs> We go around and we talk about what are we thinking, what are we feeling, what's the past week been, and we make space for each other to verbally process. We, we've talked about, you know, struggles of parenting, uh, fear and anxiety, um, you know, just everything that, that this whole experience has brought about for people. We've made space. We've held that space for each other. And because we've done that, now we can, after that, move into some of the, the business-oriented side of things. And, and I have found that my team has been really responsive to having that first initial invitation to just talk about, I'm really struggling, I feel alone right now, or you know, I'm dealing with a kid who's, who's upset that they're not going back to school, to have that, that, that space to do that's been, been really freeing for them. Good. And I love that too, because it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking about the verse that says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And yeah. I think there's such a hard, there's a hard, difficult part of us that has a, has a hard time loving someone if we're not self-aware. So yeah. how do you personally make time to be self-aware so that you can be more compassionate and more empathetic towards your team? Yeah, that, that's the challenge I think that, that many of us are feeling is because there's so much out of control what do we have a sense of control over and, and one of the things we do have control over is the amount of time we spend for you know as, as a pastor the amount of time i spend in, in prayer and scripture reading and, and quieting myself but beyond beyond the kind of spiritual component um you know there are some things that i do just so i have control over i i'm i'm a on the enneagram i'm an eight 
I'm a type A person. I'm, I need to control something. Yep. So th this may sound so weird. It sounds so dumb. But for me, it's like one of the only things I can control. I have the same bowl of oatmeal every morning because really? I know that I can control my oatmeal. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I make my same bowl of oatmeal uh, and my cup of coffee. So those rhythms are the same for me. And that's given me a sense of, of normalcy. Um, but then I've also tried to um, dabble into other things. Like I've, I've done a lot more baking. I've done a lot more cooking. Yeah. We're at, we're at home now. And so being able to do some of those um, creative things that aren't for me ministry related um, has allowed me to kind of still have a sense of centeredness and peace in the midst of a very kind of chaotic, chaotic time. Yeah, I, I love, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually do that right now. I'm gonna have that same bowl of oatmeal every single day to give, <laughs> to give some stability. It, it, it really is like, I, I just think that's one thing I can control yeah. is my breakfast. And yes. that's, I'm gonna have the same <laughs> breakfast every morning because that's, it, it's warm and it brings me comfort and it's good. And so that's what I'm gonna do every morning. Yep, <laughs> I hear you. It's funny. I think I think one thing that I've been doing is I've actually been wearing about like four different shirts every single episode. So even if you look back, you'll see, all right, you have a black one, a maroon one, yep. and it's something so simple. I mean, I have more shirts in my closet, but there's something about, I mean, I think even Steve Jobs, he had the same exact shirt everywhere he went. Yeah. Um, and there was something freeing about not having to worry about the simplicities of life and having something you could reach for that's normative, that isn't changing, um, and that you, it, it gives you the freedom to be creative and innovative in other ways, but you have yeah. some form of a lateral line that you can lean yeah. into. Yep. Now you're a little bit about, so you're doing the, the project faculty right now, um, which is very much like an advisor position. You're guiding them and you're teaching them, yep. but you're teaching in a global pandemic to students who are all across the country, all across the globe, who are experiencing this very differently. So how, how are you able to be there, especially as a professor, as a teacher, for them and guide them during this time when their life might look drastically from one another? Yeah, yeah, so I serve as project faculty member at, at um, Portland Seminary, part of George Fox University in Oregon. And what's, what's nice is um, we've been accustomed to be to meet digitally anyways, because I'm in Ohio, uh, the schools in Oregon, the students I work with, I have, I have four uh, students I'm working with their dissertation projects right now. Two of them are from British Columbia, one is from California outside of LA, and one is from uh, Michigan outside of Detroit. And so we're scattered all over the place anyways. So the digital format has already been embedded in what we were doing. But I'd say the adjustment I had to make was uh, much like what I talked about with, with my church staff is to just give space for, for the students that, you know, we had been on this trajectory, we'd been working, we had just met face to face in Oregon the week before most things started to shut down. So we were all on this, like, we're working toward a project, everybody's turning in their assignments, and then the pandemic hit in a, in a major way. And so we had to adjust on timelines of, of when students needed to get things in. Um, I checked in with them a whole lot more through, you know, WhatsApp, just kind of messaging them saying, hey, praying for you. Uh, what do you need? What can I be doing to, to assist you? Um, so that really just kind of encouraging them while keeping the, you know, you have deadlines, yeah. you know, things need to be turned yeah. in. But, but trying to make sure those deadlines are a little bit softer. If, hey, if you're a few days late, totally get it, totally understand. 
Um, and so that's just kind of, again, showing each other grace, giving each other space. Uh, we met digitally and we kind of checked in with each other, you know, what's, what's the pandemic been like for you? What adjustments have, have you all made? And the, the Canadian experience has been different than the U.S. Yeah. experience and the politics are different and all those things. So um, just really checking in and making, making space for each other has been really, really mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, because a lot of times, you know, when, when you're sitting down and you're thinking about a contract, you never yeah. think, right, how do I operate within a pandemic? No one's ever been within this position. So I love the fact that you're talking about, you know, checking in emotionally and checking in on, on the person. And I think so many times, you know, regardless of our position, whether we're pastors or leaders or business people, you know, we kind of think of our team as, all right, here's the project, here's what needs to get mm -hmm. done. But it's really just taking a step back and saying, okay, here's the person. How do I yep. connect with that individual in, in that way? Um, now, what you're doing a lot has to do with spiritual formation. So yeah. for those of us that have never heard of the term, um, can you just break it down for us to give us an idea of what, what spiritual formation is, but also how can we implement it as faith leaders and non-faith people as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so in the Christian context, um, you know, spiritual formation is uh, really kind of what, what does it mean? What does it look like um, to, to become the person Christ has created us to be? Um, and so there are disciplines and practices that we all can participate in that in, in Christian language renews the image of God within us. As, as a Christian, I believe we're all made in the, in the image of God. And, and so there's practices and rhythms and things you can put in, in, in place in your life to center you and ground you and, and help you connect uh, to your inner world, your spiritual life. Um, a lot more than just kind of going through and experiencing the day as it just passes. So, you know, spiritual formation practices range in the gamut from from a devoted quiet time in the morning or in the evening or afternoon um, to praying what are called the daily offices, which are certain times of day, typically morning, midday, uh, evening, afternoon, evening, praying certain prayers that Christians have prayed throughout the centuries of the church um, to Spiritual disciplines like just sitting in silence. That's one of uh, the disciplines I uh, try to practice a lot, which is really hard now because my four kids are home. So finding that quiet time is, is a lot harder. But just sitting for 20 minutes in, in just absolute silence, it, it helps ground you. It helps kind of bring a sense of peace um, to, to going on nature walks and seeing God in the midst of, of nature. So whether you're a Christian or not, those, those practices um, still help ground you to the moment, to be present in the moment, to still find a sense of peace and calm in a very kind of tenuous season. So I would say for anybody, um, whether you're a Christian or not, um, finding a rhythm in your day, in your week is going to be important. Like I said, for me, making the same bowl of oatmeal is a discipline of a rhythm. Um, maybe for some, it's just getting up early before anybody else in the house wakes up and just, if, if you can sit on your porch or deck or somewhere, go, go to a park, sit on a bench and just have, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of silence where you're not, you don't have a to-do list. You don't need to accomplish anything. You just need to sit and be present in the moment. Um, one of the questions we've been in, in my church, we've been asking people and we've, We've on Sunday mornings when we do our, our live stream service, we've shown videos each week asking people, where have you seen God? And so they just kind of video record themselves. I saw God 
in, you know, my neighbor who brought me groceries. I saw God when I was walking out and I saw the trees blooming. I saw God in crawling around, uh, playing with my kids on the floor. So, so that all those practices just help ground us. Um, again, everything feels so out of control right now, um, but it just kind of gets your feet rooted in the ground to say, I'm present in the moment and I'm not gonna let this, this wind kind of push me to and fro. I'm just gonna be centered in who I am uh, and for, in Christian language to be centered in who God has created me to be and to just be present uh, with God's spirit in the moment. So um, that, that's, that's how I understand spiritual formation. I try to practice it myself and then, you know, encouraging my own congregation to, to be a part of those, not, not in a sense of like, oh, you, you know, a, a verse a day keeps the devil away type thing. It's, it's, not, it's not that. Yeah. It's, it's really just being centered and present in the moment with God. Because, you know, I believe that, that God is present with us at all times. And so we get distracted a lot. And so those practices just kind of help us be increasingly aware of God's presence uh, in us and around us. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I remember reading a book by um, Dallas Willard years ago mm-hmm. in my, you know, b- before seminary, before us, <laughs> um, and just loving it. And I never really experienced spiritual formation before. It was never part of my spiritual practice. It was much more, you know, when I thought of worship, when I thought of church, it was much more evangelical in its construct. So you had the preaching, you had the pulpit, you had the fellowship, and you had the worship, and that was it. And so just implementing that, I realized that there was things about myself because I hadn't experienced that within my narrative, that I loved it. And just going on walks, taking that time to just be quiet, journaling, um, the rhythms of life that I was missing. So yeah. it really just helped me find that spiritual connection that I hadn't before. And I think one of the beautiful things about spiritual formation is sometimes it makes you aware of your personality, who you are, yeah. how you personally connect, you know, with God or find that sense of peace. Um, that's very different sometimes in your communal experience. What, yeah. what are some books or podcasts uh, that people can just check out right now? I mean, all of us have time to read. So what, what would you recommend? Yeah, Dallas Willard is is kind of the go-to go-to person. Um, I would say uh, any any book by Dallas Willard, Celebration of Disciplines, is a yep. is a book he wrote many years ago that still is is popular today. Um, I would say Eugene Peterson is also really good. Uh, there's a book called Christ in Ten Thousand Places. I think is what it's called. The book on on spiritual formation, um, not you know non Christiany. Um, I, I love the poetry of, of Wendell Berry. Um, his his writing is he's a he's a kind of farmer and poet, and so his his writing kind of roots you in uh, the earth. Mary Oliver is a really accessible poet that um, she's written about nature, and 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 I think she's a great poet to read that just kind of slows you down a bit when you when you read some of of her work. Um, as for podcasts, I would say the Renovare. Uh, R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E has um, some really good um, podcasts. Uh, They, they, Richard Foster's uh, another spiritual formation guru. Um, I would encourage you to read some of his work. Um, There's somebody you and I both know, Mary Kate Morse uh, has written a book called The Guidebook to Prayer, which is a really good book on presenting uh, a diverse perspectives of prayer, um, where um, part of our prayer life is rooted in our personality. So 
um, sometimes people say, you know, oh, I pray and I don't get anything out of it. Mm. And, and that partly could be based off your personality. So prayer walking, walking while you pray for some people, just it connects because they're kind of an energetic person that helps them. But sitting in, in, in a pew or sitting in their bedroom or whatever, praying, they get, they get nothing out of it. So her book does a really good job of like presenting different forms of prayer that you can try from touching tactile things like praying a rosary or prayer beads to lighting candles, um, all of those different forms of prayer nice. connect based of, of our uh, personality. Yeah, yeah. I, I found one of, one of the things that I love that I'm missing right now, um, and it's funny, you, in a sense, you don't miss the big things. You actually miss the small, normative things that you actually yeah. want on the journey. It's not so much the goal, it's the, it's, it's the journey and the progress. And there was this beautiful place in the woods that I used to go to right after studying, I'd go to the coffee shop, um, and it was maybe maybe like half a mile long, but it was, it was wooded. It had this beautiful canopy of trees, and I would just feel free to pray. And my, my prayers are very vivid and raw. And um, I always say that God has, like, God, God has very thick skin when I pray because I'm very honest and very real. Yeah. And there's this sense of just connection that I find compared to sitting in a pew, kind of having that reverence. When I pray, it's much more of a connection. It's much more relational. It's much more open. Um, yeah. So I can definitely relate to the idea of just walking and praying. And well, one of the things we encouraged our church to do during this season, especially during Holy Week yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, was to write a prayer of lament. Mm. And, and, you know, lament in the, in the Jewish tradition, in the Christian tradition, is often a forgotten practice, at least among Christians. I think we see it a little bit more in, in Jewish traditions. But the Christian tradition, we've forgotten lament because we're afraid that if we actually tell God how we think and feel, we're going to upset God. And God's going to be mad at us if we tell God we think this pandemic sucks, you know, like, um, it, or if we lose a loved one or somebody we love gets sick, we're afraid we're going to offend God by saying, God, I'm really upset at you that my, my loved one is dead or is sick. So, but in, in the, in the Hebrew tradition and in, in the Hebrew scriptures is the book of Lamentations or, you know, Jeremiah has some great laments in it. The Psalms have some great laments, which are just honest guttural, get it out of your system type mm -hmm. of prayer, whether that's written or just kind of sitting in the woods. So we encouraged our people um, during the season to write down a prayer and just be brutally honest with God and just get it out. Because if, if you harbor that stuff, it ends up eating, eating you spiritually, physically, it, you know, our emotions and our spiritual life and our physical life are connected. So when one is off, it affects the others. And so a prayer of lament gets that stuff up and out of us. And it's, and it's, it's permission giving. I mean, scripture gives us permission to be honest with God. Mm -hmm. So, so we encouraged our people um, to write lament, to just say to God what you're thinking and feeling in the moment and don't hold back. God's big enough to handle all those emotions and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too, because I think there's so many times, especially right now, we've replaced faith with the act of denial. Mm -hmm. And it's really not the same thing. Faith is a very raw in front of your face type scenario it's a very real thing um and i think when we actually deny that lament we we give god less credit we say okay god you're too small to handle all of who yeah. i am you know all of what i'm thinking all of what i'm what i'm gonna say to you um and i think that idea of lament just says look you know i can i can place it on your shoulders i can put it in front of you and yeah. you know you're not gonna see me as less than you know i'm still yeah. gonna be called your beloved because of that um, and there's, there's that freedom that I find that we're missing right now. 
And I find it far more faithful mm -hmm. to pray a lament than not, because when you're praying a lament or writing a lament or whatever, you are turning toward God. It's not a turning away from. To deny God your feelings, to deny God what's really going on inside of you, you're actually turning away. Mm. A lament is turning toward and saying, God, this is what I'm feeling. I mean, we see that the book of Habakkuk opens with how long, oh God, must I behold violence? Um, it's a turning toward God and asking God some of the tougher questions. It doesn't mean you get quick answers. It doesn't mean that the pain, the violence, the frustration are resolved, but it is a turning toward and just saying, God, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. And these are the questions that are sitting in my spirit. So I think it is far more faithful as 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 a Christian, far more faithful as as a as a, a person who believes in in God to turn to God and say this this is who I am and this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling. You are big enough to handle it all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I um this is a great conversation. Before we end it, I just want to ask you the one question that's been asked every every single time. And it's this how are you personally finding hope? through this, whether it be through your experience of lament, spiritual formation, how are you doing it? Yeah, I think we're, you know, I'm finding hope in a couple of places. Yeah. Um, I'm, as, I, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm finding hope actually in the church who is writ large, not just my church, uh, who, who are really being creative right now. Um, I think we, we, have, um, we have neglected a lot of things that needed to be taken care of, and this is forcing us to, to think creatively. So I'm finding hope there, finding hope in my people. Um, I've been encouraged by, you know, we've asked them that question, where do you see God? And, and to hear them reflect upon that and share those experiences has been really hopeful. Finding hope in my family. Uh, this has been, you know, I, I have, um, my schedule's been really full leading up to this, and then all of a sudden, my calendar was cleared. And I was like, oh, who am I? And then it was kind of this moment of, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, and so I, it, it's really forced me to slow down and be present with my kids. Mm -hmm. And to listen to my kids reflect on this experience has been such a blessing. I mean, they've, they've taught me a lot. I mean, we've had to teach each other a lot of grace and forgiveness as we've been on top of each other and getting annoyed with each other. So I've seen hope. I've seen uh, definitely seen hope there. And then kind of externally, I, I've... One of, I think, the positive experiences in all of this is um, creation is kind of rebounding right now. We're seeing pollution levels drop all over the country, uh, all over the world. Um, and so as, as somebody who takes stewardship of, of creation pretty seriously, um, I think this has been a really good opportunity for uh, us as human beings to see the gift of creation. And my hope moving forward is when things start opening up, um, we just don't go back to business as usual, mm -hmm. but we spend this season that we're in to really look at how do we how do we care for creation? How do we care for our families and friends uh, on the other side of this and not just kind of get back to busyness and those type things? So I, those, those have been areas where I think I've, I've seen and experienced some hope. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, and, and even like we were talking about it, it reminds me of that idea of leaning into the new normal. And yeah. what does this look like? How can we, you know, take the innovation, take the creativity, and also take that care and compassion and bring it with us on the journey, but also toward the goal. So yeah. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful yeah, to see you again. 
And um, also too, I mean, I know we mentioned, you mentioned a lot of books and great podcasts. Uh, send me them. I'll include them with the, with the links so that people can truly have that time of getting this little glimpse of the beginning part of spiritual formation, but also build their idea of spiritual formation and what that looks like on their journey, especially through this time period. So yeah, again, thank you so much for joining me for 30 Days of Hope. And for all those watching, join me again tomorrow at two o'clock and uh, we'll have a wonderful, exciting episode for you. And this is your host, Dr. Colleen Batchelder.